Good morning, everyone. Who's ready to hear about awesome stuff? I love that introduction. (laughs) All right, well, uh, this morning, I'm going to be talking about breakthrough in worship. You know, we've been in a series the past couple weeks, spiritual breakthrough. But before I do that, we're going to do a, a little activity together, all right? So it's a packed house. It's a perfect morning to do a little activation together. So who's ready for that? All right. You guys responded a lot better than first service, so I'm going to continue. No, so this week, the verse in 1 Corinthians 14.1, it has really been on my heart. And it says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, I think that there's that, that word, pro- well, actually, sorry, I forgot to do something. First thing, if you're getting baptized this morning, if you are baptizing someone, or if you're helping with the baptisms, I now release you to go uh, back to these exits, and you're going to meet Lee back there, and she's going to help you get set up. Forgot about that, sorry. So if you're getting baptized, if you're baptizing someone, or if you're a volunteer helping with the baptisms, head to the far right rear exit, my right, your left, and uh, we'll get you set up there. Cool. So where I was, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I think there's a lot of like um, confusion and kind of like almost like fear of prophecy. We think prophecy is this thing where you're overtaken and you say these things you didn't even mean to say or want to say, or they weren't even your words. And it's this um, like ethereal, weird experience that happens. But I propose to you that it's actually not like this crazy out-of-the-box experience. It's something that we can actually walk in every day. It's something for all believers. It's not just for special people in the church. It's not just for pastors or people who pray a lot. It's for everybody. So uh, we're going to step out this morning, take a little risk, have a little fun. Van's not in town, so we might as well do something crazy. And... uh, We're going to do a little prophecy activation. So before I explain what we're going to do, um, I just want to put some ground rules and parameters on this. Prophecy is God's heart for people. Prophecy is God's thoughts and what he's thinking about someone. It's when we communicate for God um, what he's thinking about somebody and his love for them. So when we prophesy, for the purposes of this morning, it's always going to be loving, encouraging, and upbuilding, okay? It's never going to be like something directional. For this context this morning, it's not going to be directional or judgmental or a correction or anything like that. It's just going to be an encouraging word, um, kind of what, what God's thinking about that person in the moment. So how many of you guys know that God, that no one's named by accident? None of you guys were named by accident. You know, I think that God really powerfully uses names, whether we're aware of it or not. We see it all throughout the Bible, um, people's names being turned into prophetic words for them, or Jesus calling out what their their name means about them. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to do a safe little activation revolving around names and uh, telling people what we think God thinks of their name. But before we do that, what you're going to do, everyone needs to have a partner. So whether it's just the person on your left or the person on your right, kind of establish that. And what you're going to do, first, right now, ask them their name. If you don't know their name, ask them their name. All right, good job. That's all the time it takes to get someone's name. So now what I'm going to have you do, what I'm going to have you do right now 
is just tell them, what do you like about their name? And you know, this could be, this could be anything. Like if I was sitting next to uh, my wife, Jennifer, I'd say, man, I just really like how your name sounds. It's a beautiful name. Um, I, I like your name a lot. So it's just, just basic, normal encouragement about their name, okay? So tell them what you like about their name. All right. Awesome. Good job. Good job, everybody. All right. Now what we're going to do, now what I would like, I'm going to ask everyone just to close your eyes, okay? If you're new around here, thanks for joining in with us and taking a little risk. But yeah, everyone close your eyes. And now you're just, now that you've gotten out there your thoughts about their name, which probably weren't super deep or profound. But uh, now that you've told them what you like about their name, now that you've stepped out and spoken a little love and encouragement, because that's the basis of prophecy, I want you just to ask God the simple question, what do you think about their name? What do you like about their name? What do you think about their name? Why are they named this? What does their name mean? I just want to point out some important thoughts to capture. If when they, when they told you their name, right away you were reminded of someone else, or you just had a, you had a picture come in your head, what we're going to do now is we're just going to share with the person what you thought of when you asked God, what does their name mean, or what do you like about their name, okay? So go ahead and tell that person what you just felt like God said about their name. So, and this, is, this starts with speaking. It starts with just saying whatever the first thing that comes to your mind is. All right, good job. Give yourselves a round of applause. Clap for yourself. Way to go, everybody. Way to take a little risk this morning. And you know, that's what the Christian life is meant to be about, is is risk and stepping out and seeing what all is really inside of you. Because you know, there's so much more in you than any of us have even realized. You have the Holy Spirit. When you come in a relationship with Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Imagine all the depths of what that means. Imagine what we're capable of because of that. Um, I just want to encourage you, this is like a simple, easy way to share with people what God's thinking about them inside and outside of the church. This is a simple way just to step out, to take your natural and let God put his super on it. And then the supernatural happens. That's the essence of stepping out of prophetic ministry is just speaking truth that you already know about people. The real essence of prophetic ministry is calling out the truth and identity of people. And when we do that, God starts to breathe on it and God starts to speak to people. So when we steward well the truth we know and the love we know about people, God will bless that and more revelation, more thoughts and more things will come. This uh, past week, 
I was at Panera Bread, and I, I've been trying to do this little activation with myself where I ask God, what do people's names mean, or what are you speaking about through their name? And my uh, cashier's name was Courtney. So right when I saw her name tag, just what stuck out to me was Court. Like, it was, that was just jumped out, kind of popped out in my mind, it was just Court. And so I was kind of asking, like, what does that mean? And I didn't know exactly what, what he was wanting to say to her, but I just started telling her how much Jesus loved her. I said, hey, Courtney, can I tell you something that I think is going to make you smile? And, you know, no one ever says no to that. Sometimes they don't know what you're saying, and they're like, what? Or they say, yeah, sure. Um, so I just told her, hey, Jesus loves you so much, and I just feel like he's really blessing you, and he's taking you into a deeper relationship with him, and he's just like wanting to always be closer to you, and wanting to deepen and strengthen your guys' relationship, and as I just started speaking out that truth, you know, that's not super profound or super prophetic. That's true about everyone. You know, God's, God loves people. Jesus is always wanting to get closer to them and get ne- deeper and near. but as I just started speaking that out, as I uh, just took a risk and opened my mouth, the thought just came ahead that she's had some problems in relationships in the past and God wants to court her. God wants to date her. He wants to teach her how to be in a good relationship through relationship with him. So I just told her, I said, hey, you know what? Even I feel like God's saying that you've had some kind of rough relationships in the past and God really wants to teach you what a good relationship looks like and what a healthy relationship looks like. And he's going to do that through your and his relationship. But you see, that wasn't what I led with. That wasn't the first thing I thought. It was after I just started speaking to her about how much Jesus loves her. It was after I got out of my comfort zone, took a little bit of a risk, and God just started speaking to me and and more came out. And it wasn't like a loud booming voice coming through the Panera intercom. It was just that small, still voice in my heart. See, we got to learn to believe that God is speaking to us more than we're even speaking to ourselves. We need to trust that God's voice wants to be the loudest voice in our life. And when we start to acknowledge that, then we start to step out and take risks and start to share with people what God thinks about them. And you know, this morning, that's what you guys did. Some of you, maybe at the very least, all you're doing is speaking encouragement. And like the world could use more encouragement, you know that? Like people could use more encouragement from others. So that's like the worst case scenario. All you do is encourage someone. Man, what a loss. I encouraged them. I loved them. And on the other end of the spectrum, God actually speaks, on, like God breathes on your words and gives you different thoughts and you start to speak to them encouragement. So there's like, there's nothing to lose when we step out and begin to tell people how much Jesus loves them. So that really has, I just want to do that because that's fun. And it's, I think it's important that we're constantly pushing ourselves and we're constantly trying to do the stuff Jesus did. We can't just hear about what Jesus did and read about what Jesus did. There has to be a time in our life where we decide, I'm going to start trying to do the stuff Jesus did. So let me pray, and then we're going to dive into the rest of the message. And really, the main event this morning is baptisms. kind of takes the pressure off me. I don't even have to give a good message, because the baptisms are the point, and they're the really fun part. So I'm going to pray really quick. Jesus, you said that your sheep would know your voice. We're your sheep, and we want to learn to know your voice better. So I just bless everyone in this room and I just speak against any lies or any thought patterns that have kept us from hearing your voice. And I just release a fresh wave that 2016 would be the year of hearing your voice. That 2016 would be a year of learning to recognize what it sounds like when a father speaks to his kids. So I just bless everyone in this room. We just thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. 
So like I said, the past couple weeks, or maybe I didn't say this, but my, the past couple weeks, my dad has been preaching. My dad's Van, he's the lead pastor here. He's been preaching on spiritual breakthrough. And he's been talking about what does breakthrough mean? How do we get breakthrough? What does breakthrough look like in the Christian walk? And who else has loved his messages the past two weeks? They have been seriously awesome messages. If you're just visiting today, you can uh, get those for free on the vcnw.org um, website, go to our podcasts, but they've just been phenomenal messages. Um, I would even, you know, I would even dare to say that they've been the best messages preached in this church in all of 2016. Okay. The, just tell Van that, you know, when you see man, Van, those two, they're the best messages in all of 2016. Like, so just, just give them that word of affirmation. No, but seriously, they've been really powerful. They have been awesome. Um, and I think really the whole point of what my dad's been getting at, where, where breakthrough is going, the point of breakthrough, I think where it's, where it's kind of heading is an understanding that breakthrough came at the cross and that all breakthrough in our life comes from what Jesus did for us at the cross. And that's just a deep, deep, rich mind that we can never stop exploring is what all does it mean that Jesus died in place of me and for me at the cross? That's a truth that we can continually dive deeper into and explore. And it's really, if you can't, if, if what you're trying to understand doesn't come through there, doesn't come through the cross, then it's probably not true. Because the cross showed you who, what Jesus was like. The cross shows us that Jesus loves us and that he's willing to sacrifice himself for us. And so the whole, I think the big kind of underlying message has been preached the past couple of weeks is that we don't have to work for breakthrough. The breakthrough is something that Jesus did for us. And nine times out of 10, it really just means understanding that. Having a deeper revelation, a deeper understanding in our hearts of what Jesus did for us. Let's just meditate on that for a second, man. There's just so much truth and, and there's so much power that can come into our life and that can empower us from understanding more of what he did for us at the cross. Just close your eyes for a second. Jesus, we want to understand more. We don't want to just have the Sunday school, um, just skimming through the Bible, understanding of what you dying on the cross meant. There's more of that to understand. And we just say in our hearts that we want to understand that at a deeper level. We want to be changed by that at a deeper level, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, my dad's been talking about spiritual breakthrough. He's been talking about... Um, you know, what that means to have breakthrough. And this morning, I want to kind of point that in a certain direction. And I think it's like the most important direction of the Christian life, and that's worship. I think really it all starts, in the Christian life and in the Christian walk, it all starts and ends with worship. At the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, we need to be worshipers. We need to recognize that that is our highest calling. That is our true fundamental purpose, is to be in relationship with the Father and to worship him. Newsflash, there's going to be a lot of worship going on in heaven, okay? So, like, we got to kind of grab hold of that because one day or another, that's going to be, like, our main focus is worship. And it's, it's going to be amazing. It's amazing right now. But um, what I want to talk about, the two kind of, like, big things I want to hit on this morning that uh, cultivate, that give us breakthrough, that give us spiritual breakthrough in worship is having appreciation and the presence, having appreciation for God and what he's done, but, but also being aware of his presence and responding to his manifest presence. 
um, for me growing up, there was, there was a kind of sporadic time of where I would love to worship. And the, the most often time that I would love worshiping in my teenage years and in my like, elementary school years was whenever I would go to youth group camp. Whenever I was at youth group camp, God's presence would just be there powerfully. I, I know there's people in the room that can relate to this, where you go to a, a youth group camp, you get so fired up for God that you'd come back and kind of... But while you were there, man, God's presence was there. Everyone was focused on God. And it was just like so easy to worship. It wasn't like you had to work up any willpower to worship God. And that's because when his presence is there, a natural response is worship. You know that when you sense God's presence, the natural way to respond is to give him glory and to honor him and to worship him. But that in and of itself isn't sustaining. See, God wants us to choose him. He wants there to be appreciation in our heart. He wants us to have thankfulness in our heart. And that, as well as presence, will drive us into worship. I mean, you can't like take one and sacrifice the other. You need to cultivate both. You need to cultivate sensitivity to his presence, responding to his presence, but also when you're not feeling it, when you're not feeling his presence, to know in your heart, I have something to appreciate about God. I have something to be thankful towards God. I'm going to choose to worship him right now. Um, Last weekend, my dad really didn't want to preach. So you're going to get a little inside scoop right now. But on Saturday night, we're in the kitchen, Jen and I were over at my parents' house for uh, dinner um, watching a football game that I'm not even going to talk about. <laughs> and um, we're uh, making a pizza, and my dad just starts kind of um, bemoaning to us about how he doesn't want to preach. He's a, he's a, a little bit, <laughs> tiny bit of emotion behind this, you know, like, oh, I don't want to preach tomorrow. I just feel like I, last weekend was great, and I don't know how I can follow that up. And I'm just not feeling like, man, I just wish someone else would preach, but, you know, I guess, I guess I'm going to have to. And then he came up here Sunday morning, and both his messages were phenomenal. Like, seriously, you never would have thought that the guy that gave those messages was, like, forcing himself and gritting his teeth to come up here and preach. But, you know, that's the essence of worship. It's offering ourselves to God as a sacrifice— It's not coming up here because we feel good about it. It's not worshiping because we are feeling good about it. It's realizing that I am myself a sacrifice to God. My actions, my life, and my heart in and of themselves are an act of worship. In Romans 12, 1, Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So we see that, at its core, intrinsically, worship is a thing where we deny ourselves and we acknowledge God. At its core, worship is sacrifice. So, all right, I want to point this, I want to talk now about freedom in worship and how we, how we really live out freedom in worship. And so like kind of combining these two ideas of freedom and worship, I'm going to combine them to the end. But right now I want to focus on freedom a little bit. We see, I think there's a lot of freedom in this church and it's a cool thing. We see that people are eager to come down front for worship. People love to express themselves in worship nine times out of 10, however they feel. But that's not what I'm talking about when I, at its core, that's not what I'm referring to when I say freedom. Okay. Freedom at its core isn't a, um, a way that we act. At its core, freedom is a way that we think. Freedom is a knowledge of ourself. It's understanding who we are. I, freedom flows from our identity. Okay? You don't, 
It's not the other way around. Identity doesn't flow from freedom. Freedom comes out of our identity, comes out of knowing who we are in Christ. In Galatians 5.1, Paul says, it is for freedom Christ has set us free. Just think about that right there. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So the purpose of being set free is to be free. Freedom is an end in and of itself. Having a free heart is an end in and of itself. And it's not a, um, freedom isn't the ability or like to do crazy things or to be wild. Freedom is in your heart knowing that you are only dictated by what God thinks about you and that by who God says you are. That's freedom at its core. And lots of times we want to we equate freedom with actions. And don't get me wrong. I think that um, people who are free will act on it. But freedom and actions are not the same thing. Doing like your freedom will manifest through actions, but it's an inner heart attitude is where freedom starts. It's knowing who you are and where you are in, in standing with God. You know, the kingdom is all about family. The kingdom of God is all about family. God sent his son so we, to, to make us sons and daughters. Romans 8, 16, it says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That is your core identity, is that you are a child of God. And when you start to understand and explore what it means to be a child of God, freedom flows from that. Does that make sense? We, freedom, we're not aiming for freedom, we're aiming for our identity. We're aiming to understand who we are in Christ and that we're children. And you know, what are some of the things about children? Well, one thing, my dad... Um, I, I feel like I have very open access to my dad, okay? So like, no matter what kind of mood he's in, no matter what he's doing, he could be in a moment of worship. That doesn't change the fact that I know I have access to him. Even at times when other people might not come up and interrupt Van or want to talk, like, I have no problem interrupting him. I have no problem coming and saying, hey, dad, I got something to talk to you about. Or it doesn't matter. Like, there's freedom because I know where we stand in relationship. I know that I'm his son and that he loves me. And so when we get rooted in that idea that we are free sons and daughters, that we are children of God, then freedom will manifest in our actions in our life. But it has to start with your identity. It has to know, it has to start with knowing where you stand with God. Um, so yeah, I just, want, I just want to note that when it comes to how we worship, when it comes to freedom in worship, there's not right and wrongs. There's no right form and wrong form about how to worship. I mean, I think there's biblical things. You know, you see in the Bible, people kneeling and shouting and dancing and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that there is a wrong way to worship and there is a right way to worship. All right? I really want to communicate that. But what happens is that when you get free, you're not so worried about what is the right way to worship and what's the wrong way to worship. You start to express yourself. You start to worship from your heart rather than from your outside. You're not thinking about what does that person think of me? Is this fake? Is this real? You're realizing at an inner heart place, I'm free. So I get to act and in worship how I want to act. You know, I'm not saying like to go crazy and to push people down or do something destructive, but we have to realize that at a core level, being free means being able to respond to God. It means being able to respond to his presence and act based off of that. And then when we cultivate appreciation in with that, it's, it's powerful. So um, I want to talk now a little bit about why we worship. And I want to connect these ideas of freedom and worship. 
and really hit on why it's such a, it's a relational thing. It's not a, it's not a formula. It's not like a practice or an activity. It's a relational thing that we do out of intimacy with, with the father. So let's look at this really famous, awesome story in John 12. And, and as I lead in this, I just want to say that the primary reason that we worship, if we're just going to really boil it down, is because he's worthy. The very baseline reason, the very crux of why we worship is because Jesus is worthy of our worship. And actually in Revelations five twelve it says, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. That's a lot of stuff that he's worthy of. Okay, he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our heart submission to him and our, our sacrifice of ourself. Remember, that's what I said worship was, was sacrifice of self, denying oneself and acknowledging God. He's worthy of that. And we see this, um, this worth and this freedom really play out in John 12. So in John 12, starting in verse one, it says, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. There's some serious self-sacrifice going on here in Mary's life. Like this is expensive, you know? This perfume that she used, it, it could have been, in other translations, in other um, areas it talks about, it was like a year's wages. So this is really expensive. There was sacrifice that was coming to play in this worship. And at the same time, she was declaring in her heart, showing what is God worthy of to me? She was, it was a declaration of worth to God. It was, she was humbling herself. She was sacrificing herself to show God and say, hey, you are so worthy. I, and in her heart, I imagine there had to be a lot of appreciation for Jesus, you know? Like, you don't go sacrifice all this money, all this stuff, and a lot of your um, own, like, pride and your own appearance without having appreciation and a deeper heart recognition of someone's worth and value. So that's the second thing. Or I, I talked about that earlier, but I want to hit on that a little bit, that we need to cultivate an inner heart of appreciation and cultivate an um, attitude of appreciation. And let, I actually have a cool definition that I made up for appreciation. Appreciation is an inner heart attitude of recognizing value and worth. So in, a, in its most fundamental way, appreciation is an inward thing. It's not focused inward, but it's something we experience inside. Something that we have in our heart and it's pointed somewhere. That's where worship starts, is having appreciation. You know, I said earlier, it's easy to worship when God's presence is powerful and it's just moving through. And lots of times God's presence will take you to a deeper place than you've been before. But without appreciation, you see Mary had appreciation for Jesus that's where worship has to start. That's where worship has to be founded. And um, that's the bedrock of having freedom in worship. 
Now, from appreciation flows thankfulness. And thankfulness is an outward expression. Thankfulness is like the manifestation of appreciation. Thankfulness is when we're consciously saying, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what you've done in their life. You know, that's something we have to constantly be looking for and starting our day with thankfulness. We need to start our day by thinking, what do I have to be thankful for today? For me, the past year, when I wake up in the morning, one of the first things I always thank God for is for my wife. Best gift I've ever gotten. And you have to start, what are the gifts God's put in my life? What are the things he's done for me? And then thank him for it. And this will stir up a heart of appreciation and a posture of worship in you. It'll make freedom and worship flow from inside rather than the outside. Does that make sense? So um, I'm going to wrap it up here. Sorry, this is a little bit abrupt, but I want to get to the baptisms. The last thing I want to point out is that worship is like our highway to intimacy with God. How, engaging in worship is like the direct route to be in an intimate relationship with the Father. You know that we're created to worship. Just like within us. You see this at, at concerts. A couple years ago, I was um, at a Mumford & Sons concert uh, down in Louisville. And the, it, something just blew my mind. Something was so intriguing. During the set, one of the songs was playing and half of the crowd had their hands raised in the air. And they were, it wasn't like a conscious act of worship to God, but it was like there was something within that, that wanted to express something to what was happening. They were recognizing beauty and they were expressing it. So at, we're just made to worship. I'm just convinced that human beings at our core, it's just a natural response is to worship. Now what we have to be careful about is that if you don't consciously choose to worship the right thing, you will worship anything. And your worship will be directed all over the place. So in order to worship the right thing, it has to be a conscious choice. We have to lean into God's presence. We have to cultivate appreciation. And then intimacy starts to flow because it's what we were made for. So kind of wrapping up, I'm going to welcome the worship band to come back out. And uh, Lucas is going to come up here in just a second to uh, lead us through the offering. But I want to just announce the names of the people getting uh, baptized this morning. How cool is that? People are getting baptized this morning. This morning, you know, we did baptisms, which is a symbol of people getting new life. But I also just got the sense, and I wanted to, uh, you guys can keep kind of playing back there. Um, I just want to show that I want to welcome people to, to make that commitment to new life with Christ. Recognize there might be some people here this morning who've never uh, entered into a relationship with Jesus. And in just a second, I'm going to give uh, people a chance, not that you need me to do that, but I'm going to give you a chance to do that. And um, first, I just want to say that it's his love that draws us. He first loved us. He loves everyone in this room totally and completely right now. You don't need to change to get God's love. You don't need, um, his love is constant. It's more constant than us. However, with that, we, we believe that you can enter into a relationship with him. And that through that, repentance happens in your life. And repentance just means turning from where you are currently and facing the right direction. And, um, you know, we've all done dumb things. We've all messed up. But Jesus came to right all that. Jesus came to pay for all of our mistakes, to pay for all of the negative stuff that happens. And so 
If you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus right now, if you want to uh, make that commitment to Jesus, all you have to do is believe. In Acts, uh, Paul is talking to some jailers, and they say, what, what must we do to believe? And he says, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. So right now, if you just want to make that commitment to believe in the Lord Jesus, to make him your savior, not to embarrass anybody, but we just, if, if that's you, just raise your hand, and we're just going to pray for you and bless you. Awesome. One, two, three, four, five. Keep. Awesome. Well, let's just, uh, if you are next to one of those people who raised their hand, just lay a hand on them. We're just going to pray for them really quick. If you don't have a hand on you and you raise your hand, just raise your hand again and people will see you. So yeah, Jesus, we just, and just you don't have to repeat after me out loud, but in your heart or out loud, it's up to you. So just say, Jesus, we can all just say it just to make it more comfortable for everyone. Okay. So let's just, let's all just get born again right now. <laughs> So Jesus, I recognize that I've messed up in life. On my own, I can't cut it. On my own, I'm not good enough. But you, but through you, I'm good enough. So right now, I ask you to be my savior. I welcome you into my life. And I make you Lord. I make you director of my life. You're in charge and I want to follow you. So now, Holy Spirit, I just welcome you to come and fill and the flood in Jesus' name. I just welcome the baptism and the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to be uh, received with tongues and all the good stuff that goes along with it. So I just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. How cool is that? So, so I'm just going to welcome the prayer teams to come on down to the front. At the end of every service, we offer prayer ministry because we really believe that Jesus wants to heal you and touch you and bless your life right now. Jesus is the solution to any problem anyone in this room is facing in any area of your life, and we want to pray for you about it. We especially had the sense that God wanted to heal right legs and necks. So if you have any problems in your legs or neck, come down and get prayer. Otherwise, thanks for joining us this morning. We love you. Have a great week.